PHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat with me, Janice Wong. And me, Paul Zimmerman. On today's program, we ask, are we walking as much as we should? A new survey has found that 10% of Hong Kongers claim to take daily walks lasting at least 30 minutes, up from 7.8% in 2022. 30% of respondents to the survey conducted by the World Green Organization said they take half-hour-plus walks once or twice a week. But the most lethargic respondents admitted they never walk for 30 minutes on any given day. Survey organizers say while the percentage of daily long walkers are up, most Hong Kong people still don't spend enough time walking. A habit that's not only good for you, it's also environmentally friendly. The vast majority of respondents in the same survey, 92%, also expressed support for adopting a low-carbon lifestyle by doing things like taking public transportation or using less electricity. But are people actually walking the talk? Are Hong Kongers not walking enough? Are people ready to sweat more to go green? After 9.45, we will chat with a medical expert about an expected rise in COVID cases during the Lunar New Year holidays. We'd love to hear from you. Do call us anytime on 233-88266 and join in with today's discussion. Or you can also use uh, WhatsApp us on 68998518 or comments on our Facebook page or email backchat at rthk. Now to kick off our discussion this morning, we have in our Admiralty studio, Barry Wilson, President of the Institute of Urban Design. And on the line, we have William Yu, CEO of World Green Organization. Good morning, Mr. Wilson. Good morning to you both. Good morning. And uh, good morning, Dr. Yu. Hi, good morning. Thanks uh, for joining us on the program. So, um, Dr. Liu, you, let's uh, go to you first. Uh, according to your study, uh, more people are taking daily walks of at least uh, 30 minutes. Uh, did you look at the reasons behind this increase? Dr. Yu? Hi. Yes. Um, actually, um, as you can see, um, uh, there are slightly uh, improvement in the percentage of, uh, you know, uh, for people working uh, uh, seven days, uh, actually a daily walk, um, you know, um, to uh, mark a 2.2% point rise compared to uh, that of uh, 2022. So uh, we we can see, uh, but but the overall uh, percentage uh, only accounts for 10% is still very low, but. Uh, I think uh, Hong Kong people should do more walking, and uh, that is uh, good for their health. Right, uh, Doctor Yu. But uh, did you get into why they, why more people are walking more? I, I think uh, mainly because uh, we have resumed to normal uh, in our daily life. We uh, spend more time outside um, compared to the time of COVID. So I, I think uh, we we have uh, more activities uh, than before. Hmm. Hey, William, I'm actually surprised uh, uh, by the how low this number is. Uh, given how many people use the bus and the MTR and have to walk between 
home and MTR and home and bus and between bus and MTR and between then wherever they arrive, they have to walk to their work. I mean, Hong Kong has always been known for uh, people walking a hell of a lot uh, uh, and, and um, having t- making a lot of steps every day because of uh, their reliance on public transport. So is, is your survey identifying people who think that who only report on their walks as being a recreational walk they don't reporting on their commute i i think um mainly because of the duration because uh, may, maybe as you said they spend five minutes ten minutes uh to walk uh, between uh, each uh, transportation or or you know but uh, apart from that uh, a long walk at least for 30 minutes Maybe uh, they don't have this uh, kind of duration of work. And the other reason, as you can see, uh, around more, more than 50, actually, 50% of respondents, they offer using, you know, transport service uh, because of time constraint or the design to save time. And and other factors might attribute to, like, uh, extreme weather conditions, very hot, very cold, or rain. So I, I think um, that reduced their intention to walk uh, much longer. All right, uh, Dr. Yu, so, uh, so far we've been uh, talking about uh, what uh, you got out of uh, your, your latest survey on walking habits. Uh, now we uh, want to know what you think. If you're listening at home, on the bus, or if you're taking a walk, give us a call on 233-88266 and tell us about your walking habits. Do you like to walk? If not, why not? Now, uh, let's uh, go to uh, Mr. Wilson from the Institute of Urban Design, who's uh, been waiting patiently in our Admiralty studio. So, um, Mr. Wilson, what do you think of uh, the increase in the number of people taking longer walks? I mean, uh, Doctor, you said uh, it's partly to do with uh, uh, the, the COVID pandemic uh, earlier. Um, do you, what about uh, walkability, Hong Kong's walkability? Do you think uh, that's a, a factor as well? Well, thank you. Um I'm actually quite interested to, to hear the statistic and a little surprised, a bit like Paul as well. Um, my understanding is that Hong Kong has the highest, if or one of the highest walking ratios per capita in the world. Um, we walk a lot. We may not realise it, but those connections to our metro and to our buses um, at the beginning and the end of our journeys actually account for, for quite a lot of steps, um, even through the metro up the escalators. And, and lots of studies in the past have, sh- have shown that. I think what the um, problem is when you look back to health outcomes is often the quality of that walking experience um, in the urban area on on the street where people are exposed to um, roadside pollution which has all sorts of of health impacts um, and especially for children um, that the roadsides are uh, inadequate for quality walking we heard earlier something about more green could be good but um you know more space could be good more less barriers could be good so the quality of of the walking experience is really quite poor despite the fact that we are forced to walk quite a lot in in hong kong because we don't live in a car dependent society but even that's changing <laughs> so, so yeah i know we, we're going to be we're getting more cars here as, as we open up the boundaries with the mainland there's more reasons to own a car so people are going to be uh, using the car more often but what can be done to entice people to walk more well, I think there's um, 
you know, a lot of solutions that are already out there and um, a lot of professionals have been, been pushing for improvements in the walking environment with better connectivity, less barriers, right, Paul? I mean, you, you've, you've been campaigning for years about connecting streets better. Um, at the moment, you know, walking is, is a, as a system. It's, it's like, a, like a traffic highway. We need well-connected footpaths. Um, like a, a cable with electricity. If, if you cut it, it doesn't flow. And if you cut pedestrian walkways, they don't flow and the quality becomes difficult and you get congestion. And again, we're subject then to um, potential pollutants and, and, uh, and that's not convivial to, to a good quality environment. So we need to have a walking experience that is valued as much or more than a vehicle experience. And at the moment, we still plan our city around vehicles and, and not around humans. And I, I would say it's, it's as simple as that. Okay, well, well I hope our uh, listeners uh, can respond to that as well and, and give us a call on 2338-8266 and uh, let us know what they think about uh, walking in Hong Kong. But w William, it, it, is your survey has looked into kind of obstacles to walking? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, we found that, you know, uh, over 50% uh, of respondents, they offer using transport service due to time constraint or the design to save time, so they don't want to walk. And all, uh, around 20%, they offer transportation because of extreme weather uh, conditions. Uh, but definitely, I, I think uh, other factors like... Uh, for aged people, they tend to walk less, and also uh, if they need to carry big luggages, I, I think that's another reason uh, that's to discourage them to uh, from walking more. Mm -hmm. and, and in your survey, are there specific questions related to kind of the walking experiences? Um, we do not have a, a very specific question, but on the other hand, uh, we ask uh, about their concern. I think uh, after the COVID, people have uh, uh, increased awareness in in their health, in their health concerns. So they really think uh, whether the working environment will affect their health uh, from respiratory system, uh, even to uh, skin or heart diseases. So uh, I think, uh, as mentioned, air quality could be one of the critical factors. And on the other hand, it's about the greenery ratio, whether, uh, you know, for this surrounding area, do we have a, a higher greenery area that provide a more favorable uh, walking environment with more trees or even grass? I, I think that is a, a kind of expectation. Mm. Hey, uh, Barry, uh, you had me wear a, a weird contraption, um, and maybe you can describe it for our listeners when I use the word contraption, what they've done. But you basically tied me up uh, and, and, and asked me to walk, um, and, and you, you put goggles on my head, with, uh, which I could hardly see through. And this was an experiment uh, to kind of test the, the walking environment, and uh, there were some shocking outcomes. Well, thank you. Yes, since 2018, in fact, the Hong Kong Institute of Urban Design has been conducting research in this area. Um, initially, we were looking at active aging, being aware of our aging population problem and the difficulties particular for older people to navigate the city. 
Um, so we uh, invited uh, a company called Elpathy who are able to facilitate some simulation of what it's like to be um, an older person or have some uh, physical incapacities um, in wearing these suits which actually um, rely on straps and weights to, to make you feel the difficulty of how, how it would be as we, we get older. Um, and it's, it's quite uh, interesting also that with the, the degeneration of eyesight how poorly the city is, is able to, to respond to the difficulties of, of older people in terms of just walking along a street due to obstacles or uneven pavements, um, trying to cross a street due to congestion, barriers, um, insufficient times of crossings with, with green lights. And actually the environment is, is really quite hostile and scary for quite a lot of older people, which stops them wanting to make a journey at all. Coupled with that, we don't have um, affordances to them. A lot of our research showed we needed more resting places um, because they can only go short distances. And I think you experienced that art when we did the simulation, Paul. We did um, about 700 meters from mid-levels down to Exchange Square, and it took us um, over an hour to do that, which was about 10 meters a minute. So it's, it's a very slow process of, of movement, and you, you need lots of, of support. Um, toilets are a big thing. People may not want to make a longer journey because they're, they're worried that they might get caught short. Um, things, are, things like that are as simple as, uh, as, as um, deciding then, I don't want to go out, or I won't go out past 20, 30 metres outside my door because uh, the, the environment is hostile. So uh, this research has been really fascinating. And, and you had government involved uh, as, as well um, uh, and, and had them all tied up in these contraptions and uh, so that it was as hard for them as for elderly people to walk around the city. Have, have they uh, responded positively to it and, and kind of like are they kind of considering um, ways and means of improving walkability for elderly people? Well, we, we have, and, and in our first session, um, we had Bernadette Lynn, who's now Secretary for Development, um, taking part in that and experiencing for herself those difficulties. And, and our recent research last year, uh, Michael Fong, uh, head of CDD, participated. You know, the government officials are very willing to learn more. They want to... Um, they want to implement a, a better environment for people. Um, I, Sometimes the processes are not in place for that to happen, though. All right. Uh, you're listening to Backchat. And this morning we're talking about uh, walking habits. And, of course, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Do call us anytime on 233-88266 and join in with today's discussion. Or you can uh, comment on our Facebook page or email backchat at rthk.hk. And uh, we have a uh, comment from a listener, Ilna. And uh, he says, I am a proud walker and my goal is to achieve over 10,000 steps a day. Walking not only improves heart health but also helps burn calories and then he goes on to say that uh, um, he uh, he says that encouraging people to take the stairs instead of relying on lifts all the time would be a good idea it would be great if companies and building management could promote and facilitate the use of stairs making them easily accessible and user friendly he goes on to say that the Hong Kong government and companies should do more to promote walking and encourage people to engage in this healthy habit 
And uh, but then he says, uh, uh, he says, uh, fortunately, the area where he lives is quite walkable, as uh, he can easily walk to East Chimsha Choi, West Kowloon, Hong Hom, and even Mong Kok. And uh, that comment is from Ilna. So let's uh, go to uh, Doctor Yu. Um, uh, what what do you think uh, can be done to encourage more people to uh, uh, start walking more? Um, I, I think start start from small. At least uh, we can uh, use some uh, uh, walking apps, you know, to ch- uh, track our daily uh, walking steps. Um, and also, I think um, um, maybe to give. To begin with, uh, we can uh, start with like 15 minutes walk or 30 minutes walk at the very beginning in, instead of a long, very long one. I, I think that that uh, will help. And also, uh, trying to get off, you know, one station earlier uh, the, uh, from an MTR station or from the bus that uh, we can uh, walk a little bit more. Uh, that could be a way uh, to increase our uh, working opportunities and also definitely can participate in our March 16 event. Uh, we will have a city orienteering competition uh, to be held at the Central Harbour Front. Uh, so um, we, we try to divide it into a challenge race and a fun walk. So uh, you can plan your own uh, rules and compete the checkpoints along the central to one Jai Harbour front. So um, that that could be a good exercise for everyone. Mm. Are, are you in, in any way documenting um, obstacles um, and feeding back to government and, and kind of like figuring out ways of making it more enjoyable to walk or make it easier to walk or having to, uh, you know, is it easier to make it easier to, to cross roads, for example, and make it safer? I mean, are, are you documenting any of that or are you really looking at kind of like entertainment and exercise? Um, yep, yeah, we, we did uh, some exercise uh, before uh, working with some uh, government officials. Uh, a few years ago, I mean, right before uh, the COVID, uh, we tried to decide uh, the routes and uh, trying to help uh, people really experience what kind of obstacles, uh, what kind of challenge um, they will face, as, as mentioned, the barrier and also uh, the conditions of the surrounding environment. So we, we did some kind of uh, this kind of exercise in order you know, to realize, uh, you know, the, the actual experience, the real experience of walking mm-hmm. in Hong Kong. But uh, uh, we have to admit that uh, sometimes we, we cannot continue our journey because uh, of the design. Um, uh, different uh, intersections, uh, different uh, kind of features. Uh, sometimes we, we will enter some kind of pathway. pathway uh, all our beaches uh, instead of you you got a chance to walk on the street level so um it, it depends on the entire urban design back to the topic uh, earlier topics uh, so we we need to think more about how how we can uh, improve the environment but as you can see uh, uh the, the colonies uh kind of improvement uh, areas especially uh, on the uh, you know, the back link, the avenue, you know, uh, used to be uh, with uh, water dipping, used to have, uh, you know, a very dirty uh, street uh, surface. 
now they they trying to decorate with uh, flowers of and different uh, vegetation. I I think that will improve the perception of the pedestrian. Oh, this is particularly the uh, energizing Kowloon East uh, activities in Kung Tong, where the back lanes of buildings uh, have been cleaned out from rubbish and uh, illegally parked bikes and uh, improved lighting, improved to, to create more abilities for people uh, to, uh, to walk those uh, around those buildings there and improve the walkability of, uh, of Kung Tong. That's what you refer to there. And that yes, was well yes. received. And so the so government is taking actions. Uh, uh, Barry, are there other activities that the government are undertaking uh, actions on, uh, to improve walkability in, in these districts? Well, there definitely are, and, and, and government is trying. Um, however, they, they are piecemeal, and they are happening still against um, a tide of vehicle prioritization. So if we look um, in a wider picture, look at what's happening in, in other cities around the world, you know, COVID restrictions gave a huge opportunity for cities to experiment um, with encouraging people to get out and, and walk during during those times. Um, and we know from experiences in Paris and New York and London and Milan and on and on and on, we found our, our cities being used as, as pilots and, and open labs about different ways that people could utilize the street. Um, we saw wider pavements. We saw cars being restricted on access. We saw a kind of urban guerrillaism of... of adopting spaces and um, all over the world now we're seeing cities convert their urban areas to prioritize a better walking and cycling experience in a healthy environment because at the end of the day this is what's going to attract the best talent um, to work and, and live in a city you have to have a, a enjoyable um, walking and, and living environment Unfortunately, in Hong Kong, we didn't do anything during that time. And so we don't really have a, a strong vision yet of creating uh, an urban environment that compete with, can compete with international cities in terms of creating streets for people rather than streets for vehicles. And you know, to add on that, our, our private vehicles are going up um, at a phenomenal rate. The last decade, we've added 40% of vehicles to the road. Um, we're now at something like 850,000 vehicles on the road in 2021 compared to um, 525 if we go back uh, two decades ago. So th th this huge increase, 40% over a decade, is a really frightening amount of extra space needed for cars. And um, they're competing always with, with Walking, so so we've got a, an intrinsic conflict here, which which I don't think we're addressing. Which is especially in the older districts, I guess. Uh, you can't move the buildings. Uh, you have only limited road space available. You've got to make a decision whether you use that road space for the car or for the person exactly. to walk. Um, so this is a challenge for for the older districts in what we've just spoken about, Kuntong. Which other the other or the districts can we? Um, is it, can we airy? Can we can we kind of uh, lob up some areas and then and, and kind of prioritize walking in them? Could we identify areas where we don't need the cars as much and we can prioritize walking? Well, it's been um, it's been interesting because there's been a number of pilot schemes over the years. In fact, if we we go back to to Mong Kok, we had that um, hugely, I would say, hugely successful. Pro uh, 
pedestrianisation scheme of, of the market areas there, mm. um, which last year um, government took away and let cars back in because the um, space was, was too successful, too animated, too noisy, too lively. So actually... Um, well, there's a resident complaining yes, that we living had, there about yes, noise, isn't about, it? About buskers and noise. So, you know, the, the solution there was to, to forget it rather than um, dispersing some of that, expanding the scheme. And, and you know, we need, a, we need more pedestrianisation or restricted access zones where... Uh, people can feel safe, can use the, the streets effectively, um, and that they're really well connected um, without having to constantly uh, conflict with, with vehicles. All right, uh, Mr. Wilson, uh, we're going to have to take a, a short break uh, for the news. Uh, let's continue our discussion in around uh, two minutes' time when we'll be joined by town planner Chin Chin Lam. Mr. Yu, thanks again for joining us this morning. William Yu is the CEO of World Green Organization. Now, if you want to ask our guests questions or just share your views on today's topics, you can give us a call on 233-88266. You can also leave a comment on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK. Radio 3 or email us at backchat at rthk.hk. Now here's a quick look at the weather, mainly cloudy and dry. Sunny intervals later with highs of around 15 degrees. Winds moderate northeasterlies. The very cold weather warning and uh, the red fire danger warning are currently in effect. And uh, right now it's uh, 11 degrees, relative humidity 62%. <laughs> It's now 9.30. With a news summary, here's Haley Yip. At least 39 people have died and nine are receiving treatment for injuries after a fire broke out at a store in the central province of Jiangxi. President Xi Jinping called for resolute containment of deadly accidents in the country to ensure people's safety and social stability in a statement made after the fire. A climate professional says more Hong Kong people are getting into the habit of walking each day, but having a greener city would help. The World Green Organization said a study of 400 people found that about 10% walked for at least half an hour each day, up on the previous survey two years ago. And the United States Supreme Court has declined to block the state of Alabama from executing a convicted murderer by suffocating him with nitrogen gas. Kenneth Smith is scheduled to be put to death using the untested method later today. I'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. Hey, you can ask if you don't understand, but if you lose your hearing, there's no cure. Working near loud noises without hearing protection can easily cause occupational deafness. Employers and employees must work together on prevention. Employees engaged in specified noisy occupations suffering from occupational deafness can apply for compensation. For details, visit the Occupational Deafness Compensation Board website or call 2723-1288 for inquiries. Need help with something in your daily life? Care teams have been set up in all 18 districts in Hong Kong. Care teams consolidate community resources and forces, organize caring activities, assist in handling emergencies, and disseminate important information to the public. Consolidating resources, caring for the community. Visit the Home Affairs Department's website for further details.
You're listening to Backchat on a Thursday morning with me, Janice Wong, and Paul Zimmerman. And this morning, we're talking about Hong Kongers' walking habits. After a survey by the World Green Organization found that more people are taking daily walks lasting at least 30 minutes. But still, survey organizers say most Hong Kong people don't spend enough time walking. Do you agree with that comment? And uh, what do you think about Hong Kong's walkability? Do let us know. You can call us on 233 that's 23388266. Now, uh, still with us in our Admiralty studio is uh, Barry Wilson, president of the Institute of Urban Design. And joining us now on the line is Chin Chin Lam, a town planner at Master Plan and a board member of DVRC, an NGO that promotes walkability. Before we go and, and, and go to our guest, uh, we had an email from one of our listeners who uh, nominates Old Peak Road and Anton Street Wan Shai as two of the worst roads or streets for pedestrians. Uh, the latter one, Anton Street, requires a person to have the right leg longer than the left when walking northerly on the downward sloping irregular pavement and the left longer than the right walking southerly. Uh, a daily toll on elderly joints. I mean, so, so uh, Barry, this is a real issue, isn't it? Uh, the quality of these walking environments along these uh, older areas. Of your uh, uh, phone-in people and, and emails earlier, we've all got personal experiences. I, I know when I, I'm talking to people out there, they all know the difficulties that we face, you know, the, the uneven pavements, the, the congestion, the, the waiting times, trying to cross roads. Um, it, it, it's not like uh, we have to go and, and convince you of this. We, we, we all have that experience and we all know as we're going to age, it's become more and more hostile. And um, this, is a, this is a design issue and we can fix these things and other cities around the world are fixing them. We just have to have the will to, to do so. All right, so it's a design issue. Let, let us go to uh, Miss Lamb. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, thanks for, for joining us. Me. So yeah, thanks for joining us on the program. So, so what do you think of uh, uh, what what uh, our listener just said there about uh, those roads? Oh, I, I I'm not too familiar with those roads, but I could continue on with the list of other roads sure. that I think <laughs> are very unwalkable in Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Please go on. Which ones would you say are um, are not uh, user friendly or as or, user friendly as? Or can summer? use a lot of improvement. <laughs> I think even um, as my NGO, uh, we're called Walk DVRC, which is on Deva Road Central, mm -hmm. in Central Area, even that road, I wouldn't say is the most pedestrian friendly, even at um, different areas on the road. There are huge signs that are two to three meters long saying pedestrians don't cross here, but pedestrians still cross anyway because it is not designed um, for people, it's designed for cars. Um, people still have to cross because that is where they need to go, and and the, the infrastructure is not made for to to suit people. Hmm. So, what are you guys doing about that then at, at your NGO? So, um, the NGO has been established for for twenty years, and and for all this time, we've been advocating for um, pedestrianization, um, walkability in Hong Kong, especially on uh, Devon Road Central. Mm -hmm. um, we think that it is an important place because um, it is the central and business district of Hong Kong. And this is where the uh, love tourists, that, that's the first place where people will see Hong Kong. And a lot there are a lot of in, important cultural heritage sites around. And 
there are great opportunities for um, those elements to be combined and create a better walking environment and to overall uh, have a pilot place for Hong Kong and then um, spread out to even more uh, walkable places around. So, so I, I have to declare, my office is very close to uh, to Devoe Road Central, uh, and I use it a lot. There are parts of the day, times of the day, there are very few, um, there's very few traffic, and there's part of the day there's a lot of traffic, and that's primarily the uh, arrivals of buses and dropping people off to go to work, and then in the late afternoon, all the buses come to pick everybody up. But the times in between, uh, traffic can be uh, quite light. I mean, is, is that your suggestion? How do you deal with that? That, that change uh, in these vehicle capacity. Can you widen the streets temporarily or, uh, or pavement temporarily? Is, are, there, are there solutions? Yeah, yeah, thank you for your question. So we have different um, solutions proposed. So some would be uh, quick wins, where uh, the quick wins are easier to implement, whereas um, some traffic crossings can be added in, in parts where it is um, just... Uh, long parts of road. So those are quick wins. And for traffic relieving measures, like as you said, most of the times um, there are little traffic nowadays. And sometimes when cars come in, they are for buses and, and trams or other services. And those we've done um, some traffic impact studies before, and uh, we, we can see that it is possible to not only um, convert, um, it currently most portion is a four lane, let's say, um, convert two lanes into a full pedestrianized zone and then have the other two continue as a, um, uh, for, for trams or for other traffic. Those are possible too. It's also possible to have areas where it's completely blocked and rerouted. So there are studies that we've done before and uh, similar suggestions we, we've put out before. All right. How are you going to convince government to, uh, to help you with this then? Uh, that that is the the hard part, but okay. I think um, that there are opportunities nowadays because um, we we at Hong Kong and the recent policies they want to activate Hong Kong, right? They want more people go out, more more people to enjoy the nightlife, uh, spend more, and, and, and such. And I think um, not even that, but I think young people nowadays they enjoy they that they um, prioritize on work-life balance and, and health more. And I think um, they, these policies and directions have an opportunity um, for more implementation. Um, hopefully, government can support um, such initiatives by pro pro providing resources on um, maybe more studies or even uh, pilot days. Like, can we test some days a uh, weekend or uh, a week or two to have a, cer a certain portion of the road um, pedestrianized? We could hold events. We could do greening. We could do other 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 sorts of fun stuff. And and not only for walking health, but Really, it could revitalize the, the economy and make the city a better place. Yeah. Barry, do you see opportunities in the central business district? Uh, it, it's somewhat dilapidated part of that, um, and it, it's time for a change, I'm sure. But have you looked at it at Hong Kong Institute of Urban Design? Sure. And and uh, again, the the point of of the inefficiency of use of space in that roads are built for 
maximum capacity at short times during the day is one of the issues. So there are lots of design solutions to optimize the use of that space at different times of the day with different access. But I think we have to, to again, look overseas and see how other cities have managed to change because they've all had, had similar problems. Um, and what we find here is our urban realm is actually under control really of, of highways departments. So not just the roads, but the sidewalks and, and the majority of urban spaces under highways department. Their priority is for vehicles. Transport department as well are, are focused on vehicles. What we found around the world is if you're going to facilitate change, this has to be outside the silos of vehicles. So usually changes come at, at, at a mayor with a vision or at having a, an ambassador or a champion for the urban realm who can cross the silos of, of individual responsibility of, of government departments. You know, the urban realm involves health and social services and vehicles and retail and business and so many other things. So it needs to be very much a cross-sector uh, solution. We don't have that framework in Hong Kong at the minute, and I encourage CE to, to give us a champion of the urban realm. Let's, let's turn this around and, and address design issues across the, the city to, um, to encourage talents to come here. We have more uh, listeners uh, writing in. Yes, we do. And uh, I was about to say, like, uh, we're just going to be discussing walkability in Hong Kong for, for just a few more minutes. So if you uh, have any questions for our guests, do uh, comment us soon or do call in soon. Our number is 233-88266. And of course, uh, you can email us at uh, backchat at onchk.hk. And I, I have a uh, email here from Mark, and uh, he wants to know why MTR is uh, requiring all of us to stand on escalators and uh, don't walk. He says, uh, surely this is worse for our health than the possibility of uh, tripping on the escalators. He says it's uh, frustrating for those who want to walk too. Time for change? That's uh, That email is from Mark. Um, Mr. Wilson, is it time for change? I mean, what can be changed there? I mean, I'm not sure he didn't really exactly say what he wants walking to change. Walking or moving escalators. Or uh, does he want to get rid of the escalators? I'm not sure. Or walking on them. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I think this is um, uh, typical of, of kind of the, the, the nanny state approach that we have in Hong Kong. Um, it's risk averse. We would like everybody not to take any risk. I think we had a couple of accidents with people on escalators. And, and again... Not holding uh, the handrails. Yes, it's the... So the solution is like the slouch hammer to, to crack the nut. Um, and, and as I, I talked about earlier with our pilot schemes on pedestrianisation, that, that's been the same kind of response. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if, if we're doing pilots, we very much need to um, test them, monitor them and adapt them. It, they usually, usually a, a pilot isn't perfect. It needs some adaption and then it needs some expansion. So we, we tend to, to need to work out how, what expectations we can can outcomes okay. we can expect and then how we can expand it not just close it down <laughs> if we move away from the old urban areas that both of you have spoken about and we look at other uh, hiking and uh, walking opportunities um, uh, i throw a few uh, examples at you and then see see what you both think about this uh, the, the ability to walk between the country parks in tai tam and shekho 
and there was a you know people basically walk on the road there's no pavement so we have a footbridge between those two country parks <laughs> across uh, magazine uh, uh, the gap there um so um, th- there's a new bridge going to be built between Lantau and uh, Samcheng, the, uh, the new territories, so that have a footpath and a cycle track on it and, and not just be a bridge just for cars, so people can walk between the new territories and, uh, and Lantau. Um, the roads between Hengfa Tsun and Shao Kei Wan, uh, there is a highway, but you can't walk. Uh, so you have to make a big detour. So the, and then uh, the, the the last example, uh, the highway uh, you can't walk along is between West Kowloon Cultural District and then going north along the Typhoon Shelter. Um, you can't walk there. So again, people are, are these are these are these disconnections with. But it's really because it's it's a highway for cars only. These are very different from fixing an older urban district. It's about including walkable facility, walking facilities in large, major transport infrastructure. I mean, where do you guys stand on these? Uh, I think it is definitely needed, and the portion, uh, a lot of the portions you mentioned are also coastal areas, and with the increasing um, uh, climate impact. Um, from from climate change, uh, sea level rise and storm surges. We have uh, last year uh, once in a 500 year flood and so on. Um, these walk, walkable areas are needed for people, but also it will help the city become more resilient um, with the increase of uh, uh, walking comfortable walking area. Uh, there could be more green and blue infrastructures like uh, grass and, and all the plantations that could help absorb those water if it floods. So it, it is definitely needed because uh, to improve the health and, and walking trend for people. But because of the, the climate issue, this mm. is also a win-win situation. Yeah. And Barry, on these, these infrastructure, large, including walking in large infrastructure and uh, uh, major roads, well, if we were planning our road system or a rail system, we, we have a network strategy and we need the same for, for walking. We need a network strategy from super highways for walking down to back alleys and, and small connectors. That all needs to be integrated. It doesn't happen overnight, but we, but we need that vision. Now, having said that, you know, government's intending now to link all of the coastal area around Hong Kong Island. Um, I think it'll be interesting how that can can happen and how, as you say, it can link back to country parks. I think a very interesting thing is a lot of our public housing um, is actually incredibly close to green areas, often on on the side of mountains. But um, again, there's no provision for access to these these green areas. So I think we could we could do a lot of retrofitting, connecting of our existing environment plus some some new things with uh, trying to get pub, uh, particularly our public housing better accessibility to, to green mm. space. Great all suggestions. Right. Yeah, all right. I'm just going to fit in a, a, one more comment from a listener. Uh, it's, uh, he's called Nick. He's a, a personal trainer and he says uh, walking has uh, lots of benefits. He uh, goes on to say that things like adding some simple upper body exercises during your walks will make a huge difference to your general well-being. And uh, that message is from Nick. So well, um, I guess, put, yes. Don't put your fellow walkers. And, uh, your fellow walkers yeah, and uh, let's just walk more, I guess. Walk more. <laughs> 
And uh, Mr. Wilson, Ms. Uh, Lam, thanks again for joining us this morning. And Barry Wilson is the president of the Institute of Urban Design. And uh, Chin Chin Lam is a town planner from Master Plan. It's uh, now uh, 9.47. And in a moment, we'll find out more about the expected surge in COVID cases and who should get a booster shot. The RTHK English News Service brings you the latest news throughout the day right here on your radio, our homepage, Facebook and the RTHK News app. And now we're on Instagram. Up-to-date news, videos, feature stories and podcasts all at your fingertips. Search RTHK English News and follow us right now. Catching up with the very latest local and international news just got even easier. On your radio, our homepage, Facebook, the app, and now Instagram. RTHK English News. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88266 and have your say. Now, medical experts have warned that Hong Kong may see a sharp rise in COVID cases in the next two months. And they're calling on Hong Kongers, especially the elderly and those who are immunocompromised, to get a booster shot. Mm. One of the experts is Ivan Hung, who's on the line. Good morning, Professor Hung. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. So how big of an increase in in COVID cases are you expecting uh, to see over the next two months? Well, I think the uh, COVID surge has already started. Mm. Uh, Right now in Premier Hospital, we are seeing uh, in the infectious disease ward around 70 to 80 percent of our patients who suffer from a severe COVID right now is um, accounting for 80, 70, 80 percent of our of our patients. Uh, We uh, most of them are elderly patients who are, uh, you know, um, have previous vaccination, but still come down with quite severe uh, pneumonia. Some of them haven't had vaccination. Um, around probably around 10%, comparing to 10% of the number of patients are suffering from influenza. So right now, I think uh, the surge of the COVID-19 is happening already. In terms of the the timing, we, we expect that the the surge to continue, perhaps for another month or so uh, and probably after chinese new year uh there will be the influenza will start peaking uh, and also we're expecting more severe cases from uh, influenza instead and, and many of these covid cases i mean around the world they're, they're dominated by uh, the more transmissible jn point one variant what about the the ones in hong kong yes um in fact according to the data from the center of health and protection we see basically the JN.1 have surged over the last few weeks. And now uh, in the last few days, it's actually accounting for the majority of the uh, positive specimens. So we're expecting JN.1, like the rest of the world, uh, to be the dominating variant in terms of the, uh, the, the, for the COVID-19. Basically replacing the XBB uh, as the predominant variant. Right. Uh, the characteristic-wise, I think, is it's actually uh, quite similar to XBB in terms of the pathogenesis, but it's much more, um, it has more severe immune escape and it's more contagious, uh, more transmissible compared to the XBB variant. Right. And is that why you're more concerned? Because it's more transmissible? Yes, definitely. Um, uh, if it's for the general healthy adults, uh, it probably doesn't matter because it's, it behaves very much like an influenza, very mild illness. Uh, 
but in high-risk individuals like the the very elderly and uh, and those who have got uh, chronic illnesses, uh, they actually could, they could cause quite severe pneumonia and complication and even death. Okay. Yeah, so we, we had we had this in the past. I mean, to what extent is Hong Kong ready? Uh, do we know? To what extent uh, the elderly are vaccinated? I mean, Hong Kong suffered that during COVID. Suddenly, we had this massive rise in deaths among elderly. Uh, have we learned our lesson? Are we ready? Are the, are the elderly vaccinated? Have, have we helped them? Have we reached out to them? We know who they are. Yes. Um, in terms of the uh, the, uh, the elderly population, the proportion vaccination, uh, we, we're still not doing our very best. If you look at the the data from CHP. Uh, around 70% of our elderly population about the age of 75 have been vaccinated. There's still about 20 to 30% have not been vaccinated. But of course, uh, some of them have already had the infection before that will have some immunity. But in terms for the elderly, they definitely will need a booster, a booster shot because the antibody tends to drop quite rapidly after six months. Uh, and that, you know, they will definitely benefit from a, a boost in short. So it's important that uh, elderly individuals, especially those who are living in the elderly homes, to, to get the booster shot. So we know where the elderly homes are. I mean, what is government doing? Are we are vaccination teams on the road with trucks and vans? I mean, what is being done to address this issue? Um, several things I think the government has already uh, uh, addressing. The one is, of course, is to sending out the outreach team to the elderly homes to get these uh, high-risk individ- uh, elderly uh, vaccinated, getting the booster shot. The others, of course, if they are community-dwelled, then they will be able to get the uh, booster shot from the uh, government outpatient, from general outpatient clinic, from the uh, specialist, uh, specialized outpatient clinic, and also from the uh, private clinic as well. Right, and apart from elderly people, who else uh, do you think needs a booster shot? Um, the other who is highly uh, vulnerable are those at risk, are those who had uh, malignancy, especially hematological malignancy, who are on uh, you know drugs like called the B cell depleting agents, uh, basically on immunotherapy. Uh, patients who have had uh, previous transplant, especially for those who have received a stem cell transplant. Uh, or renal transplant patients who uh, respond very poorly to to the, to the vaccination, so they will need a a booster shot, uh, um, which will and, and also definitely in the near future, if if uh, we have the the second generation of the monoclonal antibody, they should receive that as well. And what about uh, children, especially those who may have taken a smaller dosage of the COVID vaccine before because of uh, their age? Um, do they need another booster shot? No, they don't. Uh, for young children, once they have received the two doses of the vaccine, uh, they actually had a very good immunity. Uh, and and basically, the, the memory is still there. So uh, they are very well protected. So they only need two doses. It's only those who are newborn have not had the vaccine before. They will definitely be indicated for the two shots uh, of, the, uh, of the COVID vaccine. Of course, it will be a pediatric dose. Right. And is this a recommendation uh, similar to, to other places around the world? Yes, very much so. Uh, in fact, for, um, you know, the other parts of the world who are already well into their winters, 
uh, they have already launched the uh, XBB monovalent vaccination booster shot a few months ago. Uh, in Hong Kong, of course, we, we are slightly, uh, you know, our, our winter comes a bit later. Uh, and, of course, most of the cases will happen around Chinese New Year when there's a great circulation of, of the population. So there's still time to get the booster shot uh, around probably the best to get it in the next week or so, uh, two weeks before the Chinese New Year, that will be the best time. Right. And what vaccinations are currently available in Hong Kong? I mean, we used, we're used to having a Sinovac and BioNTech, and what do we have now? Uh, currently, uh, the only updated vaccine is the XBB monovalent vaccine, which is mRNA vaccine platform-based. Uh, we have two versions. One is the BioNTech. The other, of course, is the Moderna uh, uh, mRNA vaccine. So both are very effective and very immunogenic and very safe. Uh, so you just need to get registered online uh, and, and get your uh, booster shot. Unfortunately, we don't have the, the, uh, the, the Sinovac, which is the inactivated vaccine, currently is not updated. Uh, it's still using the original virus-based uh, vaccine. So we don't recommend getting that uh, as a booster because it's too far away from the current circulating strain. Right. And, and, and I know you, you're suggesting uh, people uh, can consider mixing their vaccines. What is that about? I mean, how, how do they um, mix it? So that uh, the two um, kind of uh, situation. One, of course, is if you have received the Sinovac, which is an activated vaccine, uh, you ask, uh, you're looking for a booster shot, we recommend switching over to the MI vaccine platform. You either re- receive the Vontech or you receive the Moderna vaccine. Uh, it's extremely safe and it's very immunogenic. Uh, study has shown that it actually generate better antibody protection uh, and it's closer to the current circulating strain of the JN1 and the XBB. Uh, the other way of mixing, of course, is you received previously the mRNA vaccine platform, which is the BioNTech vaccine, but now you also have a choice of the Moderna, so you could switch over to Moderna. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and again, some studies show that it's actually uh, slightly more immunogenic and with a better antibody uh, um, production, uh, and also that uh, it's, it's extremely safe. So there are two ways of so-called mixing your, your vaccine. Just a little bit about uh, information then uh, uh, and how people can check this. Uh, is, to what extent is the e-health system working? I mean, are people uh, using it? Um, can people monitor their uh, vaccinations clearly, uh, whether they're private or public healthcare, um, to see w- what they've had and uh, then make decisions where they can go? Uh, are, are our, is our technology working? Definitely, if you're on the e-health system, then you have all the record of your vaccination, uh, including the COVID-19 vaccine, so you could trace back. Because if you want to get registered online, you need to know the date of your last uh, uh, COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, if not, then, of course, you could, if you are a, a patient, then you could go to the public hospital, just walk in, and you could still get your booster shot. Uh, so the e-health system is working very well. Right. And earlier you mentioned the Moderna vaccination. Um, can you tell us a bit about uh, the side effects and what, what are the side effects like? Are there any side effects, just very briefly? Yes, the side effects are very much similar to the BioNTech vaccine, which is also an mRNA vaccine. Uh, most of the side effects are very localized. It's basically uh, the causing pain and swelling over the injection site. Uh, and some may have slightly more severe side effects including fever or headache, 
but all these side effects are self-limiting, uh, and basically will disappear after a few days. Uh, if it's uh, you know if you have a fever or you, if you have pain, all then right. you could always right. take a. Panadol. All right, Professor Hung, we have to leave it. Yes, we have to. Unfortunately, we have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us on the program. That's uh, Professor Ivan Hung, a chair professor of infectious diseases at the University of Hong Kong. Many thanks also to you who commented or emailed us today. And of course, to our uh, producer, Raphael, and uh, Andrew Work and Philip Wong will be back tomorrow with another edition of Bat Chat. Stay warm.